The first week we talked about silver bells. And in the air there's a feeling of Christmas. What does that mean? What is it referring to? The silver, the silver bells specifically refer to the Salvation Army Santa Clauses that would ring silver bells uh, as people would give money uh, at Christmas time. You've seen them. We've all seen them. And that's what they're referring to. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. That feeling is the feeling of generosity. The problem is they thought, when the, the writers thought, that, that, that it was that way because it was Santa's big day, but they got that part wrong. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. There's a feeling of generosity because Jesus came and gave us the greatest gift the world has ever seen. Last week, we, um, we sang a little Elvis Presley, and uh, we talked about Blue Christmas and how for many people, Christmas is a happy time, it's a joyful time, it's a wonderful time, but for so many others, it's down and it's blue and it's sad, and, and there are things in our life that can rob the joy and the happiness out of our lives. Uh, but, but the answer is Emmanuel, God with us. And at the first Christmas story, there were so many opportunities for Mary and Joseph to be sad. And yet, they were never sad, they were never down, but they were worshiping God because God was with them and God wants to be with you. Today we've sung White Christmas. A uh, couple of interesting things about this song. Uh, it was written in 1940 by a man named Irvin uh, Berlin, uh, and he was actually in the very warm city of La Quinta, Quinta, California, in, get this now, a La Quinta Inn hotel. So he writes this Christmas song, and and he storms out of his door, and he tells his secretary, he said, grab your pen, I just wrote, wrote the best song I've ever written, I want you to take it down, and he said, heck, I just wrote the best song that's ever been written in the world. Well, little did he know that as of today, they don't even know exactly how many copies of White Christmas have been sold in Bing Crosby's original version. Uh, It's estimated somewhere between 50 and 100 million copies of that single, making it the number one single ever sold worldwide. Of any genre, of any kind. When Bing Cosby first heard it, they were recording a Christmas album, and uh, he, they were listening to all of them, they were working on them, he liked this one, he liked that one, it wasn't even the title track of the, of the album and of the movie they were doing, and he said, well, that one's all right, we won't have to work on that one too much, I guess, little did he know it would go on to make him famous. Um, beautiful song, he recorded in 18 minutes. And for those of you that understand a little bit about the recording industry knows that's unbelievable. 18 minutes to record the, the, the number one song in the history of the world. Um, White Christmas, though, it speaks to us about a number of things. Um, a number of themes throughout this one. Uh, they, they seem rudimentary. Uh, it's the idea of dreaming. It's the idea of peace and cr- tranquility. Uh, it's reminiscing about an earlier time when things were simple, uh, they were easier, they were more childlike and less complicated. Uh, It's the idea that your days could be merry and bright again, that wherever you were. Remember, this song became popular uh, throughout the uh, Second World War. And so they would play this uh, for our troops all over the world, and it would remind them of a better place, of a simpler time where people weren't trying to kill them, uh, and it brought them kind of back home again, back to a place of love and not of war. And that's one of the things that grabbed this country uh, when it was written. Uh, 
these things, they, they seem so simple. They seem common that we can all dream, that we all have peace, and, and uh, w- that we can all remember when times are simple and everything is good. But the truth is, um, though dreaming and hoping should be common to us all, life has a way of stealing our dreams and dashing our hopes. And I think that's one of the reasons that White Christmas speaks to so many people is because it gives a chance to revive that. And I think that's what Christmas is all about. It's about reviving our hope, reviving our dreams, giving us a chance to see again that God might have great things for us. I want you to grab your Bible with me today, uh, and I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. We'll also be reading from the book of Ephesians. Uh, in just a few minutes, but we're just going to read this one verse, and this will be our central verse today as we talk about White Christmas. If you're there, say amen. 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 Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Would you place your hands on your Bible for just a moment and let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your presence that is in this room. I thank you for giving us the opportunity to have a white Christmas. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me today. Lord, let my words not be mere words of man's wisdom, but lace them with the power of the Holy Spirit. Do a great work in the hearts of your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Every year, it never fails. Someone comes to me, and uh, it's, it's always funny of who it might be. Uh, it came from an unexpected source this year. Uh, but every year, someone comes to me and says, You know, Pastor Randon, uh, I've been studying a little bit, and uh, I read this article, or I heard somewhere, that Christmas trees are pagan wor- form, a form of pagan worship, and we should not have them in our houses as Christians, and we should definitely not have them <laughs> on our stage. And, and, every, and every year I, I get this. And you know what? To a certain degree, they're exactly right. But here's the deal. There's more to Christmas than just Christmas trees. You see, when Jesus was born, the holiday surrounding Christmas had already been celebrated for hundreds of years. Literally, several centuries had already been celebrating at that time. Uh, They celebrated in different ways, but around most of the known world, they were celebrating winter solstice or middle winter or or, or this type of uh, these type of holidays that happened right in and around the month of December, early January, specific specifically December 25th. They did a number of different things. In Scandinavia, uh, the father and the son would go out into the woods. They would cut down the biggest tree they could find, and they would drag it back using uh, uh, animals, uh, uh, donkeys and mules, and they would drag this log back to the house or in a neighborhood of houses, and they would light the log on fire. And as long as the fire was lit, they would party and eat and celebrate and have lots of fun. In Europe... uh, I, uh, m- mostly in countries around Germany, and uh, you, you might get this here in a minute, 
they would take in, at this point, they would have already slaughtered uh, their cattle that they were going to slaughter for the year because they didn't want to feed them all throughout the winter. So they would slaughter them. So they had tons of food to eat. The harvest was already in. They had lots of food, uh, lots of uh, stuff to party with. And then it was right before, uh, around early to mid-December, that the first, um, uh, the first part of their uh, wine and beer would have been fermented and would be ready to drink. So they just said, this is the perfect time to party. We've got steaks and we've got beer. We're good to go. <laughs> and so that's what they did. In Rome, in, in the city that, that Jesus, or not in the city, but in the culture that Jesus was born in, the Roman Empire, uh, they did some different things. Uh, they, they celebrated Saturnalia. They worshipped the God of agriculture. They worshipped the God of peace and plenty. Specifically, they worshipped a God named Mithka, who was the sun god, who was believed to have been born out of a rock on December the 25th. For one month they celebrated all the Roman Empire. They did some crazy things. Here's what they did. They turned the entire social structure of the empire upside down. So they would, all of the slaves, and there was a slave society, all of the slaves for one month became masters. Suddenly they were walking around like free people, functioning as masters. All the bosses became employees, and all the employees became the bosses. The peasants ruled and governed the city. Everything was flipped and turned upside down for one month, and then it went back to normal. This is what they did. It was into this culture into this Roman Empire that, that Christ and the church was born. We today celebrate Christmas as we know it with gifts and, uh, and uh, the story of Christmas, but that's not actually where it began. Everything that you find outside of Jesus in the Christmas story, almost every single thing can be traced back to some form of pagan worship or pagan celebration from somewhere around the world. In the, in, the, in the 300s, uh, 324, I believe, uh, A.D., uh, a group of Christians in the early church, they got together in uh, 354, and they were so tired of, they had tried to separate themselves from Saturnalia, and they just tried to ignore it. But imagine with me, if you would, ignoring Christmas in America. How do you ignore Christmas in America when everyone's talking about it? Everyone's, uh, you know, there's parties at school. Everybody's getting off work. Everybody's singing Christmas carols. You turn on the, every music station, radio station, and there's Christmas songs on. How do you ignore Christmas? You can't do it. And so for, for 300 years, they tried to, and finally they said, enough is enough. And they determined this. We are going to start celebrating the birth of our Savior on December 25th. Why is that important? Well, number one, most theologians tell us that Jesus was not actually born on December 25th. One of the primary reasons they say this is because uh, when, when the story says that the shepherds were keeping their flock by night out in the, uh, out, and they were out camping out, keeping their sheep on the hillside feeding... They didn't do that in the winter. They only did that in the spring, in the summer, in the early fall. And so theologians say this is clear evidence that he was probably born in the spring sometime, not on December 25th. The second thing is this interesting note. In the Jewish tradition, they didn't celebrate the birth of important people. They only celebrated their death. So Christians 
uh, celebrated Easter, which was the day of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, right? And so there was a big deal around Easter, but for the birth of Jesus, they didn't make a big deal out of it. They didn't make a big issue out of it. It's one of the reasons that the Bible doesn't tell us Jesus' birthday, because it was not celebrated. The pagans, however, did. The pagans actually celebrated birthdays. The pagans actually made a big deal out of birthdays. It was people like Pontius Pilate and Herod who made a big issue out of the birthday. So when Christians came in and at the very core said, we're going to celebrate the birth of our Savior on this day, that in and of itself came from pagan beliefs. What are we going to do? You can understand now when people say, I won't. No Christmas trees. But here's, here's the deal. If you're going to start going down that road, I, I get it. If you're going to start going down that road of thinking, all of you are like, what are you doing to my mind, Pastor Andrew? Like, you're blowing my mind. i got to go home and take my Christmas tree down. i got to take presents back to the store. i gotta, I got to take Christmas lights down. No more carols. i got to get rid of my, my ugly Christmas sweaters. got to go. Y'all okay out there? You're like looking at me stunned right now. I'm telling you, you should see your faces. You're like, oh my goodness. Okay, here's the deal. When you start going down that road of thinking, you can't stop just at a Christmas tree. We have to get rid of the whole holiday, right? Everything down to celebrating the birth of Jesus came from a, a pagan ideologies. So what's the solution? They went in, and in 354, they said, we are not going to celebrate the birthday of a God who was born out of a rock. Who, of a God who is the God of the sun. They said, you know what? We're going to choose this day, and we're not going to worship a rock. We're going to worship the rock. We're not going to worship a God, the God of the sun, but we are going to worship the son of God. We're not going to worship the sun. We're going to worship the sun, S-O-N. And here's what they said. They said, we're not going to celebrate a day when for one month the slaves are free and then they have to go back into slavery. We're going to worship a God who came in and set us free from the slavery to sin forever that we might live free forevermore. They said, so we're not going to worship that. We're going to take this day and we're going to do something different and we're going to worship our savior with it in the 500s by this point uh, uh, christianity had become the the national religion the state religion of the roman empire and it was at this time that christmas or christ mass actually became a roman national holiday and i love this story it didn't all go well at first hey listen in the middle ages christmas and this is this is his is uh this is uh, historically documented. Christmas looked more like the, the, the drunken debauchery, debauchery that goes on in New Orleans during Mardi Gras than it does Christmas the way we celebrate it. And in fact, there was a period of time in England when they outlawed Christmas completely because they said, this does not worship our Savior, but they kept working with it. And, they kept, and, and God kept working and God kept moving until eventually, uh, through a number of different ways, through, through Bible uh, historians, uh, theologians, but also through uh, writers like Charles Dickens who wrote The Christmas Carol, uh, it began to change the culture and the way Christmas was viewed in England as well as in America. And then we gathered gathered things from pagan celebrations all over the world. We brought them together, and now we have Christmas the way you celebrated it for most of your life. But here's my belief. 
And here's why. I don't mind Christmas trees on the stage. And uh, I don't mind singing a song about Santa Claus. I'm not worried about that. I don't worry about any of the things I've just told you. Here's why. Because God took a day that was messed up, full of sin, worshiping false gods and other things, and was nothing to do with him, but everything to do with chasing the cares of this world and the things of this world. He took all of that messed up day that was going on all around, and he took it, and he redeemed the day, and he put his name on it. And now every time you say the name Christmas, you are declaring the name of Jesus Christ. He took something messed up, full of sin, full of junk, and he turned it around and he put his name on it. And now you can say happy holidays all you want, but on my calendar from my iPhone, it says Christmas, Christmas Day, and his name is declared throughout the world. And here's why it's personal to me, and here's why it should be personal to you. Because if Jesus could come to this earth, and he could take a messed up holiday, full of sin and chasing other worlds, and he could redeem that and make it into something good, then he could take a messed up sinner like me, chasing things of this world, chasing other gods, serving other things, bound up in chains to sin, and he could set me free, and he could redeem me, and he could redeem you, and he could write his name across you, and he can call you a Christ he can call you his own son he can call you his brother you are a child of God now because he was good enough and big enough to redeem a day he's more than enough to redeem your life can I get an amen this morning so I don't worry listen if you want to take the Christmas trees down go for it it's not going to bother me I'm not offended but the Christmas trees remind me of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ that he has done in me it all started bad But the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet, while we were still sinners, while we were still caught up in our stuff, while we were still caught up in our mess, while we were still sinning and chasing the things of this world, he died for you and he died for me. So you know what? I'll celebrate Christmas and every time I do, I'll thank God if you could redeem a day. You could redeem me. I don't, I don't know where you are today, but if he could redeem a holiday and all over the world this year, people are saying the name of Jesus, he could redeem you right where you are. Say, well, Pastor Ren, through the Middle Ages, it all messed up and they were getting it wrong. Hey, you know what? To me, that's just a picture of the sanctifying work of God. That he redeems you, but that doesn't mean you walk out of here and everything's right. He's redeemed you, but then he starts his sanctifying work on you. And he starts to change you and mold you and shift you. And, and, and he starts to remove things from your life. And he removes old hurts and he removes old hangups, and he removes old mindset. And he just begins to restore you. So he redeems you in a moment, but he restores you. And he begins to rebuild you and sanctify you. And that it took a while for the Christmas holiday to get where it is today. And you don't get from being a messed up sinner to to a a, a sanctified believer in one day it takes a little bit of time so I say that's okay too that's okay too 
So Christmas to me, when I think about the idea of Christmas, what is Christmas all about? I go back to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Let us reason this. Let us think this thing out. Let us understand here now that my sins are like scarlet. They are as red like crimson, but because of him, they're as white as snow. Notice here, they shall be. Because when Isaiah, when God spoke this through the prophet Isaiah, he was looking forward into the future when he saw Jesus hanging on a cross. And he said, I can see your sins. They're as red as crimson. But because of Jesus, they're going to wash you as white as snow. The word redemption is a powerful word in the New Testament, and I won't take a lot of time to go through it. But I want you to read this scripture with me uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Paul writes, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So Isaiah wrote it and said, it's going to be that way. But Paul wrote it and said, we already have it. It's already available to you. You, you just got to reach out and grab it. This, this word here, redemption in the Greek, is the word apolutrosis. Or it's, it's actually two words uh, together making a compound word. Apo meaning loosing from, uh, lutrosis meaning delivering from. So there's this idea in the word redemption that God uh, sent his son Jesus to loose you and to deliver you. Another way to translate it is through the word ransom. Think about what you know about ransoms. Someone is kidnapped. Someone is bound. Someone is being held against their will. And, but here's, here's what happens. They, the captors call and say, I'll give them back to you for a ransom. So when Paul used this word, he said, I want you to understand this. You can get bound up and caught up in your life by a number of different things. You can get caught up with, uh, by people that have you locked into place and won't let you go. You can get caught up in mindsets. You can get caught up by past mistakes. You can get caught up by words that have been said. You can get caught up and bound and held hostage by a lack of resources. There's so many ways in your life that you can be held hostage. And yet, Paul said, I want you to know that through the redeeming power of Jesus Christ, he came and he paid your ransom and he set you free he paid the ransom on the cross you're loosed you're delivered from whatever it is that is holding you hostage know the way that this word was used and paul often used it uh, was specifically to uh, refer to the marketplace but not just any marketplace the slave trade market Remember, as I just told you, that Rome, the Roman Empire was uh, greatly built on uh, the, the backs of slaves and trading slaves and, and slave labor. And so they had a market specifically for buying and selling slaves. And this word, apalutrosis, uh, was a word that defined when wealthy benefactors would come to that place. And here would be a slave walking up expecting for his life uh, to change forever. Imagine yourself as a slave. No hope, no dreams, 
No possibility of release. You are owned by someone else. You're in chains. And you're standing there and you wonder to yourself, who's going to get me next? Where am I going to go? Is my master going to be kind or will he be evil? Will he allow me freedoms to enjoy my family or will he sell off my wife and my children to someone else? What's going to happen? And a wealthy benefactor would walk in and they would buy you or pay the price for you. They would put down the money. What is it going to cost? And they would win the auction and they would say the word, you have been alaputrosis, uh, meaning you've been redeemed. I have bought you back with the full intention of giving you your freedom. Go ahead and leave. You see, most slaves that were purchased were purchased to continue on to be slaves. But suddenly, when, when, when this man or a, a woman or whoever it might be walked in and bought you back and they, they redeemed you, they handed you your freedom papers and they said, you're set free, go live your life. Suddenly you went from a place with no hopes and no dreams and no, uh, no, no idea that anything could ever get better than this. There was no peace in your life. There was no joy in your life. And yet suddenly you can dream. Suddenly you, you can say, what do I want to do with my life? And it really be your life. And Paul said, that's what Jesus did for you. When he went to the cross, that's what he did for you. He bought you back. And he said, you've been in chains of slavery to sin and darkness. But I want to set you free. And I want to give you your freedom back. And I think that's what Jesus is doing even today, even at Christmas today when he redeems us. Yes, it's a day to celebrate his birth and there's gifts given and there's joy, but we've got to know something. If you want Christmas to be white, he's already paid the price. He's already set you free. Here's what he says. Same verse, Ephesians chapter 1. But I want to read in the Message Bible now. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah... His blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of the penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It all comes back to a baby boy that we worship on Christmas. Maybe you're in the room today and you've lost your hope, you lost your dreams, you've lost your freedom, you felt hostage to people or, or mindsets or a lack of resources uh, or, or situations that have gone down in your life. God wants to set you free today. Our emotions can hold us hostage. Loved ones can hold us hostage. Circumstances can hold us hostage. Our mistakes, guilt, shame, but he's already set us free. I want to pray for you today and then our team is going to sing one final song and I'm going to come and close. But I want to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me for just one moment. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor Randon, I need to be redeemed today. 
I've lost my hope. I, I feel like I'm hostage to my life. It won't let me go. I, I, I just quit dreaming because there was no chance that my dreams would ever come true. You say, I, I'm caught up in sin. Maybe you're caught up by your past mistakes. Whatever it is that can be holding you hostage, Jesus wants to set you free today. And if you want to make a fresh start with him this Christmas, I'm going to ask you just to slip up your hands, and I want to pray with you. I see hands going up all over this room. If you're watching online at home, I want to pray with you. Slip your hand up. I know I can't see you, but slip your hand up so you're letting God know I'm coming back to you today. A few more hands going up. All right, you can place your hands down now. I'm going to ask every person in this room to repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for redeeming me, for setting me free. I don't want to be a hostage anymore. I don't want to be a slave anymore. Forgive me of my sins. Remove the old mindsets. Remove the things that are keeping me hostage. I'm giving my life to you. Live in me, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our team is going to come and sing this great song. It's called White Christmas, but it's the real reason that Christmas is white for us. And when I return, I'm going to share with you one more thing about the word redemption, and then we're going to open our altars, and I believe God wants to do some wonderful things in your life this Christmas. Are you ready? Oh, 
declare today in your life that it's going to be a white Christmas for you, that hopes and dreams are going to be revived, uh, that you're going to have the peace uh, that comes with worshiping the Prince of Peace. May he be step into your home. One last word that Paul used uh, for, that we translate as the word redemption is the word agorazo. Um, and here's what Paul meant it in the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians. He used this word for a very specific thing, and he said, um, God is a God who can redeem your time. Time that had been wasted, or time that might be wasted, He's going to redeem it. And here's what I want to say to you. I want to leave you with this blessing today. So what, what God spoke to me. He said, Ran in there are people in the room who have lost time. Maybe things happened to you, and you've recovered, and you're okay, but it set your life back. And you had to start again. Maybe your business went under and you had to file for bankruptcy. And, and, and you're doing okay now, but you lost time. And time was wasted while you were recovering. Maybe you went through a divorce and you, and you lost time and it, was, it seemed to be wasted. Maybe you've been estranged from a loved one. And they've gotten away and your relationship is not as close as it used to be for whatever reason. And you've lost time. God said, I'm going to redeem that. 
this Christmas. He said, I'm, I'm, all that time you thought was wasted, I'm going to bring it back together and I'm going to do a great redeeming work in your life. I don't know if you're out there today and you have relationships or situations in your life where you feel like you've lost time, but I want to speak that over you today, that God would redeem your time. It wouldn't be lost and it wouldn't be wasted, but God is going to do a great work. Can you receive that this morning? All right. Uh, I'm going to pray a blessing over you today as I close, and, uh, and then our host is going to come. At the end of service, our altars will be open. If you need prayer ministry of any kind, if there's anything going on in your life that you need God's help with, listen, He wants to be involved no matter what it is. He wants to help you. If you'll just come down and let us pray with you. Uh, you don't have to tell us your whole life story. You don't have to tell us every detail. Just say enough to us that we can join our faith with yours and believe that God's going to step into your life and that it's going to be a white, white Christmas for you. I bless every one of you today. I bless your families. I bless your children. I bless your parents, your sisters, your brothers, your aunts, your uncles, your friends. I declare that in your life, the Prince of Peace would rule and reign. I declare that in your life, the Wonderful Counselor would always be with you. I declare that in your life, the Holy Spirit would overshadow you. I declare that this would not be a blue Christmas for you, but it would be a white Christmas, a Christmas redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, a Christmas of hopes and dreams and new life and new hope, abundant life that comes only from Jesus. I declare that this will be the greatest Christmas of your life. I declare unexpected blessings over you. I declare answered prayers over your life. I declare that Jesus is invading your home and when you walk through the threshold of your doorway, you're going to feel his very presence in your house. In Jesus' name, Amen, amen, amen.